Hello everybody and welcome back to the brink. You haven't heard from us all month. Well, it's the 1st of September, that's why, but it has been a few weeks since you've heard from us. My name is Ben. And I'm Mallory. And I usually let you say welcome to the brink. And uh, how have you been since the last time we saw? I think the last time we spoke, it had snowed. That feels like a long time ago. I've been great. You've been great? Yep. Working hard for the money. You work so hard for the money. You work hard for the money. And you, you know that song? No. Um, can you believe it's September? No. It doesn't feel like September. Birthday of spring. We have officially lived in New Zealand for every single month of a calendar year now. We moved here in October, therefore we had not been here in September previously. Oh, I understand. I understand. Yep. You see where I'm going with that? Yep. Which is kind of weirdly exciting. But did you know that in like nine days, we will be uh, leaving in a year? That's so crazy. It is very crazy. The cat is right now trying to launch himself onto my desk on my hand. Um, I don't know what is he doing. I was trying to actually stop him from jumping down to the desk, but somehow I've managed to help him out to getting to the desk. Our cat is weird. Um... Uh, I, I don't know what I was going to ask you. This exciting thing, actually, during the week, which I'm hoping we'll be able to provide some stuff on the show next week, is that you and I are going to the town of Queens, Queens town, uh, to witness international ice hockey. Now, have you ever seen an international game of ice hockey between two countries before having lived in Canada? Yes. Who, who have you seen play each other? Canada, US, with you in Australia. Well, that that wasn't really real. That was kind of um, I forgot about that. But that was kind of like an exhibitiony. Like that, they weren't the best players. I'm talking about an actual proper game that means something. His claw is stuck in my finger. Ow! Because we're going to go see uh, New Zealand versus Australia. How are you looking forward to seeing your bleeding? She's bleeding because a cat attacked her. How are you feeling about seeing your um, your natural sport? be competed by two countries who don't really know what they're doing with it. Excited. Excited? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, and hopefully we can do some interviews or some commentary. Have you ever commentated before on ice hockey? No. How do you think you're going to go with that? Not well, but I'll try. What, what, what's the best bit you're going to try, do you think? What do you mean? What, well, like, how are you going to try? What are you going to try to do the best when it comes to our commentate? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get you, you know, like, you give me one word answers to everything here. So I'm trying to get you to talk a little bit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I will be very good at commentating. Yes. Do you like Queenstown? Eh. 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 What's, um, is it sad that we can't have Ferg Burger? Yeah, why'd you have to bring that up? Well, we could try and see if we can just have a lettuce burger and spend like 20 bucks on something like that ridiculously like that. But um, I need that for a moment. What are you doing with it? Looking up for burger to see. Well, don't, because at the moment, can I just say that you're going to lose my page and I'm about to ask you for the quiz. So, yes, exactly. Uh, seems as you're being very talkative. How about we end this segment and we'll go into the next one. How does that sound? Cool. 
As always, whenever we seem to take a little bit of break on this show, you probably forget that we do have some random little bits that we like to play, including Days of Our Pies Season 1. We're still playing it, folks. What's happening in Ramsey Bay? You're dying to know. Well, guess what? Today you're going to find out because we are bringing you the eighth episode of Days of Our Pies from that very first season. So uh, what is going to happen? Who is going to live? Who's going to die? Who knows? You're going to find out right now as I play you that very episode. Previously on Days of Our Pies. Billy, my son, my darling boy, is dead. Oh, wait, Lisa. Before you go, there's something I have to say. Sure, John Howard. What is it? I'm your father. What's that noise? It seems like ticking. It's coming from that briefcase. It sure is. Oh, my God. It's a bomb. Did everything go according to plan? It most certainly did. I allowed Miss Muffin to give me the bomb, and I went along with the explosion. There is one more thing we need. It's a matter of national emergency. But I think there is someone here who can explain it a little better. Who's there? Oh, my God. Prime Minister Rudd! Hello, Doctor. There is something we need to talk about. Like pastry in the oven, these are the days of our pies. I'm Lisa Jones, and these are the days of our pies. Just as it seemed things couldn't get any more dramatic in Ramsey Bay, Prime Minister Kevin Rudd had just arrived in order to give Doctor, who had expected to be retiring after blowing up the Ramsey Bay Hospital and killing Roadball Assyria's illegitimate son Billy Muesli Bar, some important news. What? What is it? What do we need to talk about? It involves a matter of national and international security. And as I believe, you are our best agent, and I think you really need to know. Does Schwinkter here know? Yeah, I might certainly do. Well, enough of the small talk. Tell me already. Well, we have received intelligent reports that an attack on Australia and other parts of the world is imminent. And the attack on Australia is to happen right here in Ramsey Bay. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. That's horrible. That's... that's... that's a bit stupid, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, out of everywhere here in Australia, why attack a small town like Ramsey Bay? Because Ramsey Bay is such a beautiful place. And peaceful. An attack here would de- just devastate Australia. Fair call. But who? Who would want to cause such horrible amount of panic and death on Australia and the world? It's a right unbelievable threat, I tell ya. Almost laughed me chops off when I was told by a rat ye. Who? Who then? Tell me! Well, it's the aliens, Doctor. The aliens from space. They are threatening our planet in, intend to destroy us. <laughs> you, you've got to be kidding me. E.T. is coming here to blow us up. And <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm so incredibly scared. Believe it or not, Doctor, it is happening. And in only three days. So we are to prepare you. As you are Australia's and Ramsey Bay's only hope. Meanwhile, back in Ramsey Bay, not too far from the ruins of the hospital, town policeman Frank Cakeman was driving general store owners and husband and wife George and Jennifer Pyman, along with the as previously mentioned now deceased Billy Muesli Bar's illegitimate father, Roy Boller Serial, in search for doctor, as well as newest town resident and recently discovered long lost daughter of former Prime Minister John Howard, Lisa Muffin. Oh, Jennifer, why must Lisa and this doctor guy be so hard to find? Why must new people come into a beautiful town all the time? And why, oh, why must that damn siren be so annoying? George, I have no idea. It's not that annoying. Go 
No, not yet. There are not many people about, and I think they're all at the hospital seeing if people are okay and helping with the rescue. So they shouldn't be that hard to find. We should check the outskirts of town near the truck stop. That's where the Utatunas meet sometimes before coming into Ramsey Bay. Good point, Rye. And I should remember what that doctor looks like immediately. As they continued to drive, they turned down a street and drive past both Lisa Muffin and John Howard, who were sitting down after discovering that they are related. Oh my gosh, it's Lisa Muffin! It's an old man! Frank jumps out of the car and takes out his gun and points it at Lisa. Hold it right there, Miss Muffin, you fine-looking little specimen. You are under arrest for the shooting of my good friend Rob Bolasura and his illegitimate son, Billy Muslaba, as well as, an es- as escaping custody. Please, please don't shoot me. I surrender. You can come with me there, Miss Muffin. You have no... You have so much explaining to do... You can fill four more episodes, but first you need to tell me who this man is with you and what is he doing? Oh, you don't recognize me? Have I been forgotten already? Former Prime Minister John Howard? Yeah, jeez, what do I have to do to be remembered? I don't care who you are, but you are under arrest for aiding and abetting a known criminal. Sorry, guys, I'm going to have to take these guys downtown, so you're going to have to wait here while I do that. That's okay, Frank. I understand. But before you do, there's one thing I have to do. What is it, Roy? All of a sudden, Roy pulls out a gun. Oh my gosh, he's got a gun! This was for me, Billy, you bitch! <laughs> Who did Roy shoot? How on earth did he get a gun? Will Doctor and Agent Sweeter and Kevin Rudd be able to prevent the alien attack? And what the hell is with Jennifer's latest hairstyle? Find out next time. I'm days about pies. So much drama rama happening in that. Jeez, I hope we don't have another couple of weeks away because I want to find out straight away what's happening. And I guess you'll find out from episode nine when we play it next week or if we decide to have a couple of weeks off. <laughs> well, we usually have been asking 500 questions, but we asked them all, so um, we can't really do it. Now, I've, got, I've prepared something for you, though. I've prepared a quiz for you. Are you excited? Yep. Now, a little bit of a background here. You have managed to watch four Star Wars movies right now, haven't you? Oh, no. You meant to say yes. Yes. You've watched watched the prequels and you've watched Solo. So I thought I would give you a quiz on the Star Wars prequels. Ten questions to see if you paid attention in all three of those movies. Now, how confident are you of your knowledge of some Star Wars prequels? Not very. I don't even think I could name all three. Well, in all fairness, when we played Star Wars Trivial Pursuit, you got like two questions, didn't you? Yep, and that was before I'd seen the movie. And you've enjoyed them so far? Yes. All right, so you ready for this? Uh Uh-huh. All right, question number one. In Star Wars The Phantom Menace, who enters a vacant starfighter and eventually destroys the droid control ship? Is it Qui-Gon Jinn, Jar Jar Binks, Anakin Skywalker, or Obi-Wan Kenobi? Um, B. You think it's Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> no, no, not B. C. Anakin Skywalker. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are correct. Good job. Well done. That's one point. Number two. In Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, what is the name of the father of famous bounty hunter Boba Fett? Is it Ashoka Fett, Jango Fett, Wedge Fett, or Kylo Fett? Jango. 
Django, is that your final answer? Is that wrong? You are correct. Oh, okay. I'm so confident in that one. You said that straight away as soon as it um, was there. Question number three. In the Star Wars prequel trilogy saga, which of these was not seen using a lightsaber? Jabba the Hutt, General Grievous, Mace Windu, or Darth Maul? Jabba the Hutt, because you haven't seen him yet. You did see him in Phantom Menace, but... You are correct! I did? He was in the pod race. He was the one who, like, came and started the pod race, and then he fell asleep at the end. So, yep. Number four. In Star Wars Attack of the Clones, what is the name of the remote ocean planet where secretly an army of clones is being produced? Is it Kashyyyk, Malastare, Kamino, or Genosis? Geonosis. I don't know. Well, you've got four options here. You've got a 25% chance. D. You're saying Geonosis? You are incorrect. It was Kamino. Oh, I'm sorry. Question number five. At the end of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes into exile on which planet? Dagobah, Mustafar, Coruscant, or Tatooine? This one should be pretty easy. It's kind of the most central planet in all of Star Wars, really. Can you repeat the question and the, the answers? At the end of Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes into exile on which planet? Dagobah, Mustafar, Coruscant, Tatooine. C. I will give you another guess. D. Correct! It is Tatooine! Remember, you don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and... Yep. Question number six. In Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, what other names of Luke Skywalker's step-uncle and aunt? Is it Max Rebo, Max Rebo and Ami, Ramus and Deepa, Klaatu and Jamila, or Owen and Baru? Oh, no. Yeah, and Brew. Correct! <laughs> see, what makes this interesting is, of course, Mallory hasn't seen the original trilogy when you'll meet them and see them. Anyway, uh, in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, which of these characters eventually becomes Darth Vader? Is it yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Count Dooku, Palpatine, or Anakin Skywalker? You really didn't need to ask that question. I'm smarter than that. Would you have known that before seeing Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> Good, jo- Good job. Question number eight. In Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, what type of planet is Mustafar, where Obi-Wan Kenobi defeats Anakin Skywalker in a lightsaber duel? Lava. Lava. Well, is volcano the answer? Forest, ocean, volcanic, or ice? Volcano. Correct! Look at this. She's nearly got them all here. In Star Wars The Phantom Menace, after escaping from the planet Naboo, where do Qui-Gon, Jar Jar, R2-D2, and Padma Amidala land for repairs? Coruscant, Dagobah, Kashyyyk, or Tatooine? Remember where they met Anakin, because he doesn't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and gets everywhere. Tatooine. Correct! And the final question. In Star Wars Attack of the Clones, who is heading the Separatist movement that is creating a droid army and gets into a lightsaber duel with Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Yoda? General Grievous, Count Dooku, Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Sidious. She's thinking... Can you repeat the question, please? In Star Wars Attack of the Clones, who is heading the Separatist movement that is creating a droid army and gets into a lightsaber duel with Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Yoda? General Grievous, Count Dooku, Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Sidious. She's still thinking. She's covering her mouth with her hand. She's still thinking. Everyone is listening and waiting for an answer. C. You're saying Qui-Gon Jinn. No. no the no, good no. guy who was a Jedi in, atta- in Phantom Menace, played by Liam Neeson. B. B. 
We're saying Count Dooku. You are correct. He's the emperor, right? No, that's no, Palpatine. Okay, Darth Sidious. Um, clearly, I didn't listen to the plot. Well, well, apparently here it says here you get an A minus, which is very good. You got nine out of ten. The average score is eight point seven. So, you you have impressed by getting an above average score on a Star Wars prequel trilogy quiz. Good job. How do you feel? So good. So good. So good. Are you gonna put that on your CV? No. Why not? <laughs> okay, she's giving me a look. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Classic interview time. I do love bringing these ones from the Brink Vault for you. And a uh, personal favourite of mine, uh, great Australian comedian, uh, Tim Ferguson of Doug Anthony All-Stars fame. Also uh, hosted a little show called Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, which I grew up and loving. You can hear a lot of me talking about that throughout this interview. We did have him on several years later with Paul McDermott from uh, Doug Anthony All-Stars, which we'll have to play for you again at another point. But uh, this is the original interview I did with uh, the esteemed, the great, the legendary Australian comedian, Mr. Tim Ferguson. Tim Ferguson has been involved in comedy for over 25 years and has gone on to become one of Australia's leading and most famous comedians. After originally appearing in the Doug Anthony All-Stars, Tim went on to host such TV shows as Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, as well as appearing in 1990s ABC hit comedy Funky Squad. Various other appearances in media followed, as well as several books and now a lecturer at RMIT in Melbourne. I spoke to Tim about his stellar career in comedy, and let's just say it was an interview that certainly was very fun. Tim, welcome to Entry and the brain. Oh, thanks very much, Ben. Great to be here. Now, you have been involved in comedy for over 25 years. Now, how did you originally get involved within the industry? Well, you know, uh, we've all got parents and uh, we either uh, become our parents or we become our comedian. So I thought I'd, I'd better just become a comedian because right. Tony and my parents is what we leave to other people. Most of them you know, the people listening today, I understand the position they're in. Nobody wants to be my mother, Ben. No. Nobody. <laughs> oh, are you sure? There might be just one person floating around there who knows your mother who really would like to be her? Well, certainly my mother wants to be my mother, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, no. Well, now that the suckling has passed, that period in my life uh, when I was a baby, no one's got any interest at all. <laughs> but could you ever imagine, though, that your career would have lasted this long, though, when you first started? Well, I, I mean, I don't even know if I've got a career, Ben. I mean, I, uh, you know, I just keep standing up. I'm trying to stand on stage and say stuff to people that, you know, I believe is truth. They just keep laughing at me. It doesn't matter what country I go to. I was in Korea, and I, you know, South Korea, not North Korea, where the best comedy happens, but South <laughs> Korea, and... I'm standing there and I'm talking plain English and they just sort of, you know, laughed at me. It's a hard life being a comedian. You just get no respect at all. You have to reinvent yourself. Everybody does this. I don't know how many careers I've had. <laughs> You're the Madonna of comedy, always having to reinvent yourself. That's right. I've got, you know, good tits too. Yeah. Big pointy ones. Yeah, I've seen pictures actually, Tim. I was going to mention Thanks something about it. Being on radio, though, it's a bit hard to kind of show them off a bit, really, isn't it? Well, I know. People can listen to them, but the, again, all they say is boom, 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 but they are... <laughs> They're quite spectacular. Yeah, well, I mean, there's another career that you could have possibly had is something to do with those breasts as well. Well, yeah. Hey, how are things in beautiful Tasmania? I love that place. I was there a while ago. You know, so many people, so few surnames. I loved it. Well, yes, you just mentioned you said you love this place. That was actually a slogan for our state for quite some time. Things are quite nice here. We had a bit of a thunderstorm last night, but um, it's something rare that is in Tasmania. It was all on the front pages of the paper. It's that small, as you know, so we're all talking about <laughs> wow. it. Wow. Uh, that's like, you know, other parts of Australia get snake news, which 
Pamela Anderson, I think, mentioned one. It's the only country in the world where on the, you know, television news it says a man was bitten by the snake out the back of Launceston last night. <laughs> There's another country in the world that mentions the snake news. No, well, it seems that everybody who comes down here thinks they're going to get bitten by a snake at some point, so maybe that's just, you know, creating even more fear for these, especially Americans who come down here and think they're just going to die at every single corner. Yeah, I mean, Americans are convinced that, you know, all the animals are trying to get them or kill them, when really, it's usually only the characters from uh, Wolf Creek that are really genuinely trying to kill them or have any plan. Yeah, yeah, I think John Jarrett really is probably, you know, he's done quite <sighs> quite well there to uh, scare the Americans into something else, hasn't he? Yeah, I was talking to Greg McLean the other night and uh, we're looking forward to the next Wolf Creek film called Wolf Creek Two. Gee, how'd they come up with that one? I don't know, but, you know, it's amazing what a committee can do. Sometimes they just get it right. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully it will help sell the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, the movie will be, it'll be huge. <laughs> now, my first memory of you, Tim, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners might be, is that of you from Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. Now, this show, I loved it as a kid. I absolutely have fond memories of it, so much so. <laughs> Did you, do you miss hosting that? How, how much fun was it? Oh, man, it was so much fun. I mean, it was, you know, a show based entirely on one simple rule, which was everything we did had to be totally stupid and indefensible mm. in a creative court of law. Uh, and once you decide on that and someone says, okay, here's $10 million to do it, well, you know, you just rent as many helicopters as you can. And, <laughs> and yeah, once we got a, what was it? It was a Sherman tank and we got it to blow up a car. I mean, wow. and it was for no particular reason. There was no point. There was there was no message for the young people. There was just blowing up a car for the, the sheer hell of it. There'll be people out there listening and saying, you know, that they didn't watch it because they were, you know, too busy watching whatever it is on ABC, you know, a Faulty Towers rerun. <laughs> and good on them. Yes. But the fact is they missed perhaps the dumbest show in the world outside of, of course, today, tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't even top those for, for dumbness. But, I mean, I, I remember God, things... we tried, we tried. Miss Wendy, too. What a beautiful woman to hang around. Yeah, do you still speak to her at all? Oh, yeah, except it's the same conversation every time. She says, you know, hi, Ferg, and I say... Da, 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 <laughs> you know, she's beautiful. She's the most beautiful woman in the Southern Hemisphere. Sorry to our female listeners, mm. but... You know, you're Tasmanian. You know what it's like. We just we just go around with our sisters anyway, Tim. I mean, come on. Well, you don't need that much facial hair unless you live in Estonia. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, you know, well, there might be some listeners right now who might take that on board. But we, we don't forget your toothbrush. Do you think something like that could work in today's TV landscape? Oh, God, no. Are you crazy, then? Are you out of your mind? You people at the brink, have you gone over the brink? It was way too expensive, way too, uh, too big. We used everything in the entire network. Network. Um, we stole everybody's money from everybody's budgets. No, we were spending budgets twice as big as uh, a pack to the rafters budget. It was mental, but that's what, you know, killed Toothbrush because we just spent like drunken sailors. So no, nobody had the guts to do this today. You could turn Not it in into some sort of reality show, though, that saves money. If you could sort of work out something there, you could vote somebody off every week or vote for who's the sexiest or put some sort of coupon in a magazine every week, you know, you could, you could try That's something good. there. I'm typing that down now. Yeah, that's all right. I can hear that. Maybe that's maybe you and I could work something off here off the phone and we can maybe go back to Too late, Ben. Oh, you're I'm going to deny this conversation ever happened. I'm just sending it to LA. Hang on. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, damn. What Sorry. What have I done? What yeah. have I done? I'm, this, oh, this is why I never get any money, out. Tim, is because my IDs get stolen by people like you. I just need to keep my mouth shut. Not stolen, co-opted. Yes, absolutely. Co as in cooperation, <laughs> op as in operation, ted as in rude. <laughs> I'll expect to see some sort of credit on the, uh, the Logie acceptance speech, Tim. Now, I also remember... <laughs> You're calling I, me a comedian. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, apparently, as you were trying to mention, you, all these people laughing at you, so hopefully that might be something there. But I also remember you two from uh, Funky Squad, Blair Steele. Now, this is something that I remember my friends at school actually used to come <laughs> here the next day and sort of do the whole Funky Squad pose and, you know, everyone sort of looked at us. And they, no one else watched it, I swear, but it was fantastic. Oh, look, of course, uh, you know, it's uh, on the adult network, the ABC. So, yeah, uh, no one else in your high school would have watched the damn thing. But uh, all the old people thought it was real. Mm. I and mean, the ABC is now just a, it's a network basically for... For old people, um, Q and A watchers, you know those people, and mm. you know they thought it was just a, a replay. So they were kind of outraged that someone would have gone to the nineteen seventies and dredged out this show. But it was as much fun as you can have with polyester underpants on. <laughs> Do you still it keep them? Do you like, keep them for a rainy day? I've got them on now, Ben. I've got them on now. Once you've had polyester, you don't go back to your scratchy cotton fibres. <laughs> well, there's something for the kids listening out there to go and try a pair of polyester because Tim Ferguson says so. Yeah, yeah. You can, uh, you can, you know, put little badges and faces on them. It's uh, spray paint your own little graffiti messages. Yeah. Whereas cotton, it'll just run. Yeah. But polyester, that just... It, it's forever. It's forever. I highly recommend people go out there. If they have no idea what I'm talking about, go. It's on YouTube. I've actually sort of, in, in preparation for this interview, I've been re, reliving the memories of it, watching it on YouTube. And you can actually get it on DVD now, too. There's a demand for there still, Tim. Oh, yeah. I mean, those working dog guys, you know, it was just wonderful working with them. They're, they're always uh, just a delight to meet. They're so, uh, they're so clever and talented and... And gosh darn it, good looking. That's right. Yeah, I said Tom Gleisner is good looking. Yeah, I, I'd okay. have to join. Let in me that be one. the first to say that. Look, no, look, I would, I would agree with you there. And um, Rob Sitch, uh, I don't know what he just, just does. He just yeah. does something. I mean, he puts that Mike Moore wig on, and I tell you what, I, I'm sold. He does that for you privately. Yeah, really, seriously. You know, I've just said that live yeah. on radio right now. People are going to give me awkward looks. Geez, hang on, I just got a. I just sent that off to Rob. That's great. Cool. Okay, then. Cool. Get it. Give me my personal number, Tim. You know, we, we can we can do some stuff off air. We'll grab a coffee or something else. Yeah, that's what, what they do in television land. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard. So I've heard. Now, um, you've also, of course, established yourself as an author. You've even mentioned to me right now that you're doing some writing today. And you've had uh, several books out there, including your latest release titled The Cheeky Monkey. Now, what is more difficult, stand-up comedy, hosting a TV show, playing a 70s-style cop, or writing? Writing a book. Well, obviously, playing a 70s style cop uh, is right up there, but writing books is uh, immensely difficult. The Cheeky Monkey was, it took me three years, and that's a long time for me just because I'd like to, you know, get things out of the way. But it's, uh, it's a book about how to write um, comedy for films and sitcom and television in general. And it was, you know, I'm the first Australian ever to stand up and have a theory of comedy, so it was. Absolutely nerve-wracking, because, you know, as soon as the book's gone to the presses, you know, you wake up and go, oh, my God, there's another principle of comedy that I've forgotten. But it's, uh, yes, yeah, so if anybody's interested in writing comedy or just wants to read funny stuff, that's the cheeky monkey. Writing a novel, 
that's I mean that's great fun because you just you can build your whole world. The world is whatever you want it to be. It can be as big budget as you want. You want a hundred helicopters? You just type one hundred helicopters, and there it is. Coming soon. Don't forget your toothbrush. The novel. Oh yeah, yeah. That's going to be. Uh, can just see the front cover now. A man without a toothbrush. <laughs> Going, huh? Like that? Oh, it's already funny. But just a cheeky monkey for everybody who wants to be funny. You know, you can buy it on the internet. Currency.com.au will pretty well get you there. And, of course, you're also a uh, lecturer doing that at RMIT in Melbourne. And how have you found this role so far? Do the university students just, are they just laughing every five minutes? You know, Ben, they turn up on day one. And they're all antsy, pantsy, artsy, fartsy. You know, they've just made a short film. I've uh, just, uh, just made a short film about something. I mean, nobody cares about short film. <laughs> Let me just say on behalf of television producers and, you know, executives and the industry, nobody cares about short film. But they all turn up thinking that a short film is, you know, not just a piece of sushi, but it's actually a steak. So I have to knock that out of them, and I spend, you know, an entire year teaching them the art of uh, comedy and concept development. It's ridiculous, but I do this all around the world now, turn up, tap on a microphone, and explain comedy, even to, like, Koreans, and they understood. That's good. That's good. So there might be some funny... As you were saying before about North Korea being sort of the comedy capital of Korea, I mean, you know, venture up there, get Kim Jong-il. I mean, he'd love to come to one of your lectures. Oh, that guy, I I bet you he's a riot. Yeah. I mean, you have to laugh, otherwise you're taken out and shot. Yeah, well... I mean, (laughs) that's one way to tell a joke. The thing with comedy is, you know, there are ancient principles... And they're not rules, they're not formula, formulae, they're, they're kind of like the scaffolding around jokes and around funny characters. And mm. They go way back to primeval, primordial times, mm. and uh, they will never change until human DNA changes. So it's, um, it's fun to just open people's eyes up to the completely obvious. You can definitely, we're, we're going to grab a copy of your book, but you can definitely send us some pointers because, I mean, you know, we try to be funny here in the brink and, you know, probably about 30% of the time we do succeed. But, uh, look, you know, any pointers, you know, we're always open for them. Oh, there are principles. Like every joke you've ever heard um, on a sitcom or on in stand-up, if it's funny, like if it actually works, it's based on an ancient principle. Usually it's about opposites. It's about surprise. It's about anxiety. And, you know, anybody listening will just be nodding, saying, yeah, duh, because we all know the rules of comedy. It's just all the principles of comedy. It's just my job occasionally to point them out and give them a name to say, this is a juxtaposition. This joke over here is an obvious joke, like an obvious joke. You want to know one of those? Why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? There's another one, which is uh, by Marcus Thomas, I think, I read that book, 50 Things to Do Before You Die. I would have thought the first one was Shout for Help. <laughs> yes, And of well, course we laugh because it's obvious. Yes. We're thinking, trying to think up 50 things to do before we die, and in fact, the punchline is just you get slapped on the forehead with, you know, the obvious. Mm, 
Yeah, yeah. It's I'm the trying to list. ruin that for everybody now. Oh well, look, no, Tim. Look, they don't need to. They don't worry about that sort of stuff. You've you've made them chuckle, so they're not. They don't even remember what you said about that thirty seconds ago. Anyway, that's good. And if they listen to a show called The Brink, you know, they need everything we can give them, Ben. Everything. Absolutely. That's what they're here for on a Friday morning is to wake up with a bit of laughter and uh, forget that uh, they've probably got a pretty crap day at work ahead of them. Yeah. Well, not that I care. That, uh, comedians. There's a grave misunderstanding amongst new comedians. I spoke to one the other day. I said, well, so why, why are you getting into comedy? He said, I just want to make people laugh. And I said, well, then you're not a very good comedian then. You know, so it's, you don't have a point. Mm. You know, is there nothing you're angry about? No, no, I just want to bring joy to the world. So I said, okay, back to Hillsong with you, son. Go on, <laughs> back you go. Stop wasting everybody's time. Because comedy is written by people who are angry about something. Yeah. Bringing joy to the world. Who wants to bring joy to the world? You know, give 50 cents to a busker. Yeah. Donate to charity or want to do that. But, you know, no comedian walks off stage and says, it was a great show. I could see smiles of joy on their faces. No, Arj Barker walks off stage and, you know, asks one question. Do you think they got it? <laughs> Do you think they heard me? Ah, oh, gee, yes, exactly. And I tell you what, though, um, it, it would be actually interesting to sit down every single one of these comedians and find out what really does make them angry because that would be a radio show in itself. Well, it's, that's what gets them excited. Mm. You know, good comedians, you only have to say, so, you know... What upsets you? And off they go. Now, look, Tim, we're nearly getting at the end of the interview today, but uh, before before we get to a set of five questions we do like to ask all our guests, there's one thing that I have been wondering about for a very long time. Now... I watched the show 20 to 1, and I noticed that you're often one of the uh, the expert analysis who sit there and put their two cents worth in on the random clips. Do they actually get you, sit you down there and make you watch the entire episode, or do they just turn around and say, okay, number 13 is Nikki Webster, what do you think about Goat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The producer's a guy uh, called uh, Rowan, Rowan McGillicuddy. He's a very funny guy. He's been around for quite a while and yeah yeah we just sit there and he says uh what do you think about batman and we kind of knock something together and then we say roll tape and then i pretend that i thought of something spontaneous it's very relaxed i like doing it because it just gives the shit to so many people who just keep watching it i love that thing people say i watch that show i hate that show have you seen it every week for the last six months, yes, mm. I love that kind of television. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a great show, and the fact that they can repeat the hell out of it every six months and maybe add a, you know, change number twelve around a bit because something's happened to Tiger Woods in the meantime. I think it's brilliant. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it pops up, and I look at myself and go, "My God, that's from like a decade ago." <laughs> I mean, it's a very simple and silly format. I only do it because I like the producer, really. Otherwise. There's, you know, you don't really get anything out of it apart from a fat paycheck. And who needs those? I've been in comedy too long to worry about the money. You're too rich, Tim. You know, you don't need any more. No, no, I just mean, you know, it's about, you know, getting out there, changing the world. And yes, I'm too rich. But that's, you know, if you're a young person and you want to, you know, have a family, get into comedy. Or actually get angry and then get into comedy and then call me and we'll get you a big house. Tim can be your your Padawan learner. You can be be the Jedi to all these young comedians out there. Oh, yeah, I've got the cloak in the cupboard. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine that. Now, we're going to wrap this up, Tim, with a set of five questions we do like to ask every single guest on here. Now, uh, some of these questions, I'm telling you now, are so difficult that your head might explode. So are you ready for that? Uh, hang on, just let me change costumes. (laughs) 
Okay, that's better. Fantastic. Yep, put it on tape. Yeah, right, do we'll the belt up. Make sure the polyester is not going to get dirty. Okay. All right, question number one. What is your favourite type of cheese? Favourite type of cheese? Okay, we all know the one I'm not allowed to say on radio. <laughs> so I will say uh, blue. Blue. It's a popular choice, blue. With marmalade. Try it with good marmalade. Ah, there's a party in your mouth and everybody's confused. Alrighty then, I'll write that down. Marmalade and blue cheese party. Got it. Alright, question number two. Tim Ferguson, are you a folder or a scruncher? Uh, It depends what I'm folding or scrunching. If you're asking about toilet paper... I would hope so, Do both. Why take the risk? So you're a scrolder. Yeah, that's the one. Scrolder or funcher. Funcher. Hey, I haven't thought about that one. I like that. I'm going to steal that off you, okay? Okay, I'll send it to LA just in case. Yeah, all right then. You you get onto that right now. Uh, growing up, what was your dream job? I wanted to be the Pope. The Pope? I went and saw the Pope once and I thought, well, that's not so hard. Stand <laughs> there, you don't even speak English and everybody goes, he thinks so great. I thought... That's pretty cool. How did you go with that? Did you sort of, you know, go to church one Sunday and thought, nah, this isn't for me? Well, there's still time. There's still time. Yeah, he's pretty old, the Pope, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're going to have to replace him with someone. <laughs> Just make sure you're there at the right time at the right place. <laughs> it's, um, it's all a matter of being mates with the guys who make the bucks. Yeah, yeah, get on to LA. They know him. I'm sure they know him over there. Get on to Mel Gibson. He's into the religious things, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mel's mad for it. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit too mad. Uh, growing up, <laughs> who was the uh, who was the celebrity? Celebrity crush. Who, who did you have on your wall? The posters. Oh, Farrah Fawcett Major. Yeah. Everybody else wanted Sabrina, but I said that's a cliche. I want to go for the slack. Yeah. You know, Sabrina. Why? Because she's oh no, because she go oh no, 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 I'm not going there. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I knew that if I ever met Farrah Fawcett, it would be on. Yeah, she'd put out. Oh yeah, straight away, and then she'd say so. Tell me about yourself. (laughs) And uh, the final question, and uh, look, I'm going to give you props here if you answer this differently to the way everyone else does. Uh, Who let the dogs out? (laughs) Um, Well, in fact, I did. Really? You know, God, on the sixth day when he created men and women, that was the day when the dogs got let out. Okay, then. See, that's it. I'm giving you props there because everybody just turns around and says, oh, didn't the Baha men sing that song, so them? I'm like, you actually got to think oh. outside the square of that answer and try and come up with something clever. And Tim Ferguson has done it on the brink right now this morning. Oh, yeah. Also, I don't know who wrote that song. <laughs> I can't keep in touch with, you know, this song and that song. They're all the same. They're all in 4-4. There are only so many chords they can use. Yeah. I just stick to Akadaka. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the way to go, really, isn't it? If you, you got to put it on your oh, iPod. Oh, the Akadaka, what else is there? I mean, what else there, is there to listen to I, apart from Akadaka? I really don't they really are, who cares. They're gods of the form. They never do ballads, and I like that. You could be the first pope to full-on crank out the Akadaka on a Sunday morning in church. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, good evening, good morning, everybody. Great to have you with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Doing a bit of the Angus. Anything's possible. I'm sitting in front of my new Macintosh wonder machine I yeah. love this machine well it's sounding very well you've gotten the great sound effects and everything and it's a perfect way to end this interview on Tim Ferguson thank you very much for your time here on the brink your book Cheeky Monkey as you mentioned before is available online we'll put all the details up on our Facebook and our website and uh, we look forward to seeing more books coming out our way Tim Ferguson no worries thanks Ben good on you have a good one keep rocking we have not had this man on in 
quite some time. I think way back on our 100th celebratory podcast episode, perhaps, and even before then, it was the Grand Prix. It is everybody's main man, the man with the plan, and the man called Sam. Sam McCrossin, Samuel McCrossin, Sam, welcome back to the show. Hello, Benjamin Waterworth. Thanks very much for having me. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking to you. It's it is. It is always a pleasure to to talk to me, as it should always be. But it's also a pleasure to to talk to you. Uh, how, how's uh, life treating you in good old Tassie in Hobart in Australia? Is uh is the island still an island? Is things still floating about and it's, doing its Tassie thing? It is. It's still doing its Tassie thing. Same old, same old. We're just coming towards the end of winter, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Hopefully things will start warming up again soon. You, you like yeah, your warm weather, don't you? You don't like this cold I nonsense? I, I don't, I don't. As you know, Ben, I spent a week in Darwin a few weeks back and I loved it. <laughs> so nice and warm. Well, you're about Beautiful. to be in Singapore. You're about to sweat your little tushy off in only a couple of weeks. I know. Oh, bring it on. Bring it on? Bring and you, it on. Were you yeah, saying I mean, that when you're sweating your nutsack off, though? Like, will you all of a sudden just be like, oh, my goodness, like, you know, I need to need to go back to that coldness? No, never. No, I'll never take the heat for granted. No all right. Way. Bring it on. Can't wait. Can't now, wait to be in my short t-shirt. A couple of years ago, I think, the last time you were overseas for the Grand Prix, you, um, you missed out on the AFL Grand Final. I think the only time you ever did that. Um, luckily, your cats didn't make it. Your cats didn't win, but... Uh, your cats are doing all right this year. Top of the ladder, won the minor premiership. Will you be overseas for the grand final again if they make it? No, not quite, not quite. I'll be overseas on um, preliminary final weekends. Right. So we'll see. We'll see Geelong make it that far. I'm not that confident, even though they've finished top of the ladder. As you know, Ben, they've got um, big problems when it comes to trying to win a game after having a week off. Mm-hmm. That is true. Uh, They've gone that whole win-loss, win-loss situation. So, uh, form guide um, goes to plan. They'll probably lose to Collingwood in that first week then. Oh, every chance they'll lose to Collingwood. That's right, yeah. So, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I think I think they could. Yeah, I think they could lose. There's every chance they could lose, so. You're always very realistic about this. I appreciate this about you. Like, I mean, you have so many football fans this time of the year. It's like, oh, the cats, yeah, we're on top of the ladder. And, oh, can the tigers look at us. You're just very level-headed. You're just like, eh, nah, we're probably not going to. So is there disappointment in you when they do lose and get eliminated, though? Oh, maybe it's maybe it's me preparing myself for disappointment. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I think, yeah, I think there's every chance they could lose. I think... I think they're a better chance than they were the last few years. I think they're a more robust team. But um, yeah, no, I think I think I have a feeling there might be a couple of teams that two or three teams that might be a little bit better than Geelong. Who who are they? Who are the two and three teams that you think are better? Oh, I, I still think the Tigers are probably the team to beat, even though they've had some pretty terrible losses this year. Um, I think Brisbane are a team that. Yeah, I think they're very, very good. So I think, you know, potentially Brisbane could, could, could beat Geelong in a final. Collingwood are there. And then there's and then there's West Coast. West Coast and the Bulldogs. I think the, Bull, the Bulldogs are, yeah, they're there. If they were lining up against Geelong in a final tomorrow, 
I think the Bulldogs would fancy their chances. Well, they won it from seventh last time they made the finals. Here they are in seventh. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a Bulldog softy. I, I like the doggies, and uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be there on that day they won the grand final. So you know, I experienced it in person, Sam. So I, I, I for one, if it's if it's not the doggies, I'm, I'm I'm like on the lions and the dogs. I wouldn't mind the cats. I still don't mind the cats. I always have a soft spot for Geelong. And uh, still on the Richmond train. I still like this Richmond being good story. I don't know. A lot of people hate it now, but yeah. I, we're just so used to Richmond sucking. It's nice to see them going into this with a chance of winning again. I know. As you know, Ben, I've always liked the Tigers, but I I have to admit I, I do like seeing them do badly too. <laughs> <laughs> Give them another 35 years to win another one, basically. So as long as it's not the Eagles or Essendon, I'm fine. Like, even GWS. I mean, like, you know, no one would care if GWS won. There would be a pin drop and people are like, oh, cool, they won the grand final. Next. Like, no one would care. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think they would. I don't think they would. I'm surprised you didn't get a message from you, actually, the other day, the fact that your lot smashed my lot. Like, you know, not no messages of... uh, Oh, no, no, no. I, I like to keep it all on the down low, Ben, because I, 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 don't, I, like, um, I don't like dishing it out when I can't take it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've calmed down I a lot over the that. years. I remember you used to uh, be quite yeah. a lot worse than you were. I, right I, I used to get, get stuck into people, but um, no, not anymore. No, I'm, I'm a much more objective football follower these days. You are. What about uh, in your Formula One love? Uh, your man Max um, is uh, yeah. in in big, quite a bit of good form, old Max. And I have to say, he has uh, matured beyond belief this season. I am. I've never been a huge fan of him personally in terms of how he acts and presents himself. Yeah. But uh, I have to say, this year that kid's grown up. Oh yeah. I mean, his results for the last twelve months are just unbelievable. Yeah. So- I think I think he's I think he has gone past Hamilton. Really? Yeah, I think I think just over the last few months I think he's gone past Hamilton. I think, I think Verstappen's the best driver in the world now. Wow. Big call. Yeah. Jeez. Do you think he's in the right team for it? Do you think he's going to uh look at his options come end of 2020 when we've got these new regulations in a couple of years? Uh actually at the Hungarian Grand Prix was the first time for a long time where I I felt like Red Bull have finally cracked it. You, you know, you know, there's always a point in in time you look back and you go like that was the moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, for Mercedes it was probably <clears throat> I, I remember Rosberg winning the uh, the British Grand Prix I think in 2013 I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the moment for me where it was like, yep, yeah, Mercedes are they're on the right path, you know. They're about to they're about to sweep into the lead. I think Red Bull was back in two thousand nine. Um, China, Vettel won his first race. Well, Red Bull's first China, race. Yeah, they won China, and then later on, a bit later on in the year, it was sort of a, a season of two halves. That one, Royal mm. Grand Prix dominated the first half, and then from about uh, it was probably about the the one. Um, um, Weber won um, the Nurburgring. Yeah, probably from that point on, where it was like, okay, this is this is Red Bull's time. Yeah, I, I think Hungary for me was just the first sign that this is Red Bull 
I could be wrong, but it, I just had that feeling. I think, yeah, I think maybe Ferrari have missed their opportunity. I could, I could see Ferrari being on the verge of it, probably, you know, um, in the last couple of years, but they just couldn't quite get there. They just couldn't get their nose in front, really. I think Red Bull, yeah, to me, Hungary, Hungary showed me that they just might be sweeping through and about to take the lead again, I reckon. I, I, we obviously have the qualifying lap, but it's sort of, I'm going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be rebooting that in some form for next year and kind of have a lot more regular discussion on this. But the, the one thing that I find really interesting this year on so many levels of the stories and everything that's happened is Honda and how, you know, that had such a ramification around the grid last year when Red Bull signed them up, seeing Ricardo a lot of that unsurety around Red Bull left because of Honda, McLaren, Alonso, all this sort of stuff. And you look what's happening now. They've won two Grand Prix. Ricardo's struggling at Renault. Uh, McLaren are kind of being resurgent, doing all right. And then Alonso's off sooking somewhere on the sidelines. Um, was that, Does this just prove that McLaren were the problem there? No. No, I think Honda were pretty awful as well. Honda were really bad. But uh, I... I understand that um, Mercedes, in particular, gave Honda a hand. I never quite worked that out, but I know, I know, twelve to um, oh, and it was like two years ago. Mercedes went and helped Honda sort their engine out. I never, I never quite understood why Mercedes would do that, but hmm. apparently that's what happened. Wow. There you go. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even realise that. That's interesting. I, I like it. I like the fact that we've got a, you know, Honda. I like it when sort of an engine comes in and, you know, can all of a sudden find their feet and, and do well. I, I remember sort of, um, you know, in the 2000s when, when Renault left and sort of came back and Honda left and came back and had some success and sort of, you know, because you and I growing up with F1, you know, we kind of were just getting into the sport when the likes of a Renault and a Honda were just ending their dominant errors at that point. So it's kind of, it's good to be able to have that. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, Red Bull's not my favorite team, but I, I don't dislike Red Bull. Um, I just, it's, it's nice to not have a Mercedes winning all the bloody time and have Lewis Hamilton not break these records, which is inevitably about to bloody well do. Yeah. Um, Ben, what do you think, what do you think Red Bull will do with the second, their second seat next year? Do you think Vettel's any chance to go there? Oh. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about that? I... I mean, look, I wouldn't. I uh, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I I think it would be a good move. I I don't know how I feel about. It. I think Vettel's lost a bit of what he had, and I think Vettel's a bit tired. I I really am on this notion that Vettel could hang it up rather than you know because I I don't even know if another team would maybe go back to him because he kind of has struggled a little bit. He's made some mistakes, and you've got enough of these talented drivers out there that would they really want to go back to Vettel you know what I mean so it's I'd like to see it in an aspect I'd like to see him have another crack and because I don't think also having said that it's fair that he gets the criticism that he does that he only won the championships because of this and outside of that he's rubbish because you can't take a car that it was a Minardi only two seasons before and win a Grand Prix without having some talent in you um but uh, that's a tricky one I I I don't know how I would feel. I would almost rather Ricardo. I've heard some whispers about would Ricardo go back, you know? So, um, but yeah, yeah I, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'd like to see Vettel go back. Depends, depends if he's still got his sights set on winning another world championship. 
I'm mm. sure he has, but you know, if he was inclined to be content with the odd race win, you know. Um, I just don't know if he'd go against Verstappen. That's the thing, because I think no. kind of, you know, he's we've seen it with Leclerc this year, kind of like not to the extent that maybe it was looking like. I think it's calmed down between those two, and they two they generally seem to get along. But um, I don't see Vettel wanting to go up against Verstappen, and I don't think Verstappen would want to go up against Vettel because we saw what happened with Vettel against Weber. We saw what happened with Ricardo came into that team. You know, it was kind of a catalyst for Vettel leaving. So v- Vettel, to me, is a driver who needs a backup rather than a, you know, uh, but I mean, he, having said that, he has gone up against a lot of people, but you know, he was, he was calm and collected when Raikkonen was his teammate because he didn't get challenged, was he? So I, th- I think Vettel's just got a very much a mindset of what Schumacher had and kind of that's what he wanted at Ferrari. He hasn't quite gotten his way that way. And, you know, I, I think if he doesn't have an opportunity at Red Bull or Mercedes, if Ferrari isn't going to work out, I don't see him going to anywhere else. So I think he's just more than likely going to retire, to be honest. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. We will have to talk about it more. I think kind of, as I said, we're going to be doing something a little bit with the qualifying lap down the line, but plenty always talk about. Sam, it's always fun having you on here. I think next time, next time we get you on, call your friend Mm. up the Sarge, because I don't don't hear from him anymore. I don't know what happened to him. I'll I'll see if I can dig him out. Yeah. I haven't heard much from him myself, but um, I'll, I'll see if I can track him down. All right, watch this space. Sam, always a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in, uh, well, being on the show and for people to tune in to hear you. But, yes, thank you for being on the show again. Uh, Thank you very much for having me, Ben, as always. It is time to close it out for another week. And uh, how how do you feel coming back into this after a few weeks off? So wonderful. Be honest with our listener. Do you wish to continue as a host on this show? Do do you wish to continue as a host on this show? Yes, I'm going to be the number one host. Well, um, no, in all... can't beat Noah. Well, Noah? Like, Noah's never been a co-host of The Brink. You can't... Okay, let's... Just looking at the statistics right now. This is your 43rd time hosting this show. If you want to be the number one host, you've got to catch me who's hosted 776 episodes of this show. Do you, do you think you can do that? No. Are, are you sure? Yeah. You can catch... Josh is the second most on 92, so you'll be able to catch that, but that you've got about another 50 weeks to do that. Basically, a whole year's worth in a row which, you know, is doable if you actually could be bothered doing these half the time. Shh. No, no, no co-host has ever reached the century, except for moi. Yeah, that's true. But you still hold the record for um, most episodes hosted by a female, so, you know, that's a good time to be alive, I think, maybe. Yep. Um, who's going to win between New Zealand and Australia in the ice hockey? New Zealand. Wow, that hurts my feelings. Um, great. And if you could ask one question to one of the players this week, what are you going to ask them? I don't know. That's a great question. Do you think they'll answer it correctly? <laughs> yes. Do you think they'll say, oh, yeah, bro, I don't know either? Yes. Awesome. Great. Um, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all our relevant channels, and make sure you welcome spring into your life because that's it and listen to the Ben and Mal Variety Hour Radio Southland 96.4 FM this week we're celebrating the life and times of Michael Jackson by playing six songs by Michael Jackson because I forgot it was his birthday last week and I'm a knob <laughs> sorry it's not funny it's a little bit it is a little bit um, anything else you want to say before we go nope alright well then how do we close this show out keep sucking those over the, the, the. keep sucking those ovaries whoa where did that come from? I was trying to say oranges and Invercargill Hobart at the same time. So you went with ovaries? <laughs> yep. <laughs>
Sucking those ovaries, Hobart. Um, how would you suck an ovary? I don't even want to think about it. Just move on. Oh, there's an image. Um, do, let's try that again. Uh, what's the closing segment of the show? Keep sucking those oranges, Hobart Cargill. And Bon Noit. Bon Noit.